Hi folks, Chocolate Yoda here, spelled Y-O-D-D-A-H, because film studios are litigious. And today is Tuesday, June 6th, 2023. And uh, I had another topic completely in mind uh, for today, but that got scrapped. So when I got up and I was uh, doing my errands, just preparing for the rest of my day, you know, gassing up the car and gassing myself up with food and uh, caffeinating myself. Um, I was listening to podcasts, as I often do in the car. And what uh, what I heard was someone talking um, about uh, being a, a minister or, or a Catholic priest. And I won't say the podcast, but what he said caught my attention. He said that he wouldn't marry same-sex couples because it wasn't prescribed in the Bible. That's the word he used, prescribed. And as soon as I heard him say that, my instant reaction, just on a gut level, was that that is a perfect microcosmic example for what is wrong with religion, why I can't stand organized religion. Because it's it's filled with exclusion, it's filled with hatred of others, it's filled with violence toward others because of that hate, and... It was particularly ironic to me that, or maybe not ironic, at the very least interesting, I found it interesting that this was a black man speaking. And I thought, all right, for starters, you adopted the religion of your oppressor, right? So this is not something that black and brown people think about a lot, but the fact is, is that the only reason why minorities are mostly Catholic, is because that was beaten into slaves. You know, and you only have to do that once, right? You only have to beat the parents into being Christians or Catholics, and and you've fixed it for history, because now those parents are going to warn their children, hey, you gotta, you got to be into their version of God, right? Or you're going to get tortured like I was. So the irony to me of a, of a black man espousing the religion that was beaten into his ancestors is, uh, is a little tough for me. But beyond that, the idea that this is what was prescribed in the Bible, so it must be true, right? Well... There was a time that doctors uh, didn't prescribe antibiotics, right? I said that kind of weird. Antibiotics, I think that's the way to say it. So why was that? Because antibiotics didn't exist. So they didn't prescribe them because they couldn't. They didn't know about them, right? So the idea that sand dwellers... 2,000 or 2,500 years ago, or really, I mean, the Bible was written roughly 1,700 years ago. It was 
put together in uh, the year 325 of the Council at Nicaea, the Council of Nicaea, uh, under uh, Constantinople. No, not not under Constantinople. Damn, I'm getting my facts mixed up. Constantine, under Constantine. So roughly 1,700 years. Um, and, you know, the original stories of the Bible take place, you know, the folklore of the Bible. Most of these things never happened, but the folklore of the Bible took place at a time when people didn't know what bacteria was. You know, you're, you, this was at a time when doctors didn't wash their hands, and the first doctor that suggested it was thought to be an idiot. What do you mean there's invisible things on us that can infect other people and kill them? That's nuts. But now it's standard operating procedure for doctors to be as sterile as possible from patient to patient because we know that when they're not, patients die. They get infections and they die. Okay. So the fact that it's prescribed in the Bible or not prescribed in the Bible to me is irrelevant. They knew what they knew at the time. And it's not relevant to now, mostly. You know, be kind to one another. Okay, I'll take that. You know, but this idea that we need to use some ancient book of fictional fairy tales to run our lives is kind of absurd, but it gets even more absurd when you look at what is prescribed in the Bible. You know, like the fact that shellfish, eating shellfish, is an abomination. And just in case you're not aware, anything labeled an abomination in the Bible is punishable by death. So eating shellfish is punishable by death, according to the Bible. Mixing fabrics is punishable by death. I forget which ones, but it specifies which fabrics you can't meet, uh, mix or you're committing a sin, or that might also be an abomination. I forget right now. But um, other things that are prescribed in the Bible, um, if um, your daughter, or let's just say an unwed woman, is uh, discovered to have had sex out of wedlock, the Bible prescribes that she be dragged by the elder men of the town to her father's doorstep and beaten to death in front of him. That's prescribed in the Bible. And by the way, this is not an interpretation. It is as plain as day in the Bible. I didn't prepare to, to look up which parts. I actually have those noted, but they're in there. Okay, and it's it's unambiguous. It's very, very clear that that is the instruction. What else? Let's see. Divorce. You're supposed to stone divorce people to death. I mean, there's a long list. We we know this, right? I mean, there's just sins and abominations scattered all over the Bible. Um, there's a story of uh, young men, probably teenagers, making fun of someone. Uh, because he was bald, either naturally bald or shaven. I'm unclear about that, but um, there were there were a lot of them. I think there were like 30 or 40 children making fun of this dude. And God sent two she-bears, as they say, two female bears, to kill the children. That's prescribed in the Bible. 
All right. And by the way, going back to the shellfish thing, there's way more, way more, like probably 20, 30, 50 times more written about shellfish than there is about homosexuality. As a matter of fact, there's shockingly little written about homosexuality. So this whole thing where oh, it's in the Bible, even if it is, so what? Why do we think that this book written by people that didn't know what bacteria was, and in some cases didn't know where the sun went at night, you know, their ideas are sacrosanct, their ideas are the penultimate of knowledge? Come on, that's ridiculous. Also prescribed in the Bible is if your brother doesn't believe in your version of the invisible, damn, messed that up, your version of the invisible man in the sky, you are to kill him. Again, unambiguous. This is not interpretations of interpretations, which is another thing. Oh, this concept of transliteration. Oh boy, you know, how many copies of the Bible were hand copied before the printing press? And I think because there was something like an 1100 year gap between when the Bible was written and when the printing press came around, right? That was the early 1400s. Um, you know, there were no copy machines. Um, later on, there would be a, uh, a job title of Scrivener. And I think it's Scrivener. It could be Scrivener, but I think it's Scrivener. Uh, as in Bartleby the Scrivener, the, uh, the famous uh, short story by Herman Melville. And their job was to copy documents, which meant they had to rewrite every document word for word. Now, that to me leaves a lot of room for human error. In fact, there's a page in the Bible, and again, I, I apologize for not having chapter and verse um, noted here, but apparently there was evidence of a mistake because a sentence was written exactly the same way two times in a row. Human error. And now compounding the human error is as soon as you translate it uh, from the original um, Aramaic is the original language that it was written in. And um, now you have to translate it into Elizabethan English for King James, and then Italian and Latin and blah, blah, blah. Who knows how many languages? It's probably in every language, but, you know, there were people writing these things by hand and translating, and you know that syntax is different in different languages, different words mean different things in different contexts. So the idea that we have the perfectly preserved uh, thoughts of these illiterate sand dwellers is kind of ridiculous. And again, you have to operate under the assumption that these illiterate sand dwellers somehow had the keys to the universe. They just knew it all, right? It's, come on, this is pure absurdity, right? 
And I'm not saying everything they wrote was wrong. As I said, I, I'm willing to keep some ideas from the Bible. I particularly love the Sermon on the Mount from the New Testament. I found it to be beautiful. As a matter of fact, I cried the first time I read it because I, I was just really impressed and moved by the sentiments uh, expressed by the fictional literary character, Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are going to hate that I just said that. Luckily, I don't care. Um, you are entitled to your imagination, and I am entitled to mine. I think my unicorn runs the universe, and you can't prove that he doesn't. <laughs> uh, but really, it's um, the Bible is an attempt to control people. That's why a king commissioned the most popular version of it, right? That, that king wanted to control his subjects. So you create the all-powerful Wizard of Oz, and then you say, the Wizard of Oz chose me to lead you, okay? That's how it worked back then, and that's how it still works now. So when someone says, I won't perform marriages for same-sex couples, they're just carrying on the long tradition of hatred and segregation and judgment about other people. And the, these things wouldn't be a problem if they didn't result in death. They already result in oppression they already result in judgment and prejudgment, otherwise known as prejudice. But unfortunately, they wind up in death also. That's what a lot of wars were about. That's what the Sunni-Shia conflict that's going on today is about. And many others. But imagine, imagine Sunnis and Shias, the same people, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, they are the same people. They are born in the same place. They eat the same food, drink the same water, are affected the same way by the environment. Um, I don't know on a DNA level, but my presumption is that even on a DNA level, they would be considered the same. And of course, on a, D a DNA level writ large, we're all the same. But that's a story for another time. So why have the Sunnis and Shias been beheading each other in the streets for 1,400 years? A literary figure. Now, my understanding is that Muhammad was a real man, a real boy. Um, but there's, um, there's a, a disagreement about who he was and what he did in the Quran, and for that reason, people have been murdering each other. Genocides are very often fueled by religious differences. So I, I just, I can't embrace these things. I can't embrace a philosophy or a teaching or a, or a strategy that says that I'm supposed to hate other people and says I'm supposed to kill other people. That's what the Bible 
teaches. One last thing prescribed by the Bible, I meant to mention this earlier, but I just remembered it now, slavery. Man, there are voluminous, extremely detailed instructions about how to manage slaves, including how to trick slaves into staying with you after they've paid their debt to you and can move on. You know, like having different rules for men, women, and children. So if a man is married with children and he's he's paid his time and he can go freely, you can keep his wife and children. And that, of course, incentivizes him to stay. Very clever. What a beautiful thing expressed in a beautiful book. And it's not just the Old Testament, so please don't use that excuse, because the slavery bit's also in the New Testament. And just in case you forget, Revelation is in the New Testament also. It's the last book of the Bible, and that is batshit crazy. So there's no escaping the reality that if you're going to quote-unquote live your life by the Bible, because really, how many people are actually doing that? I mean, in reality. Because again, if you really do live by the Bible, every time you met a divorced person, you would stab them to death or stone them to death, right? You know, and I guess it's not easy carrying uh, stones around and in some places you can't bring a knife, so maybe a baseball bat. You know, have one at the ready all the time, just in case you come across, you know, someone who got divorced or someone who had sex out of wedlock. I don't know if that rule applies to boys. I didn't see anything about that. So I imagine you just get to brain girls if you find out that they've had sex before wedlock. Or if you want to take the lazy man's route, which is what I would do. I'm I'm not that ambitious. So if... um. If I was going to live by the Bible, I would just hang out at Red Lobster and, you know, just to ask people what they ate as they came out. I'm not sure how long I could get away with this. I'm sure word would get out pretty quickly that there's someone standing outside of Red Lobster with a baseball bat ready to kill you based on your menu choice. But, you know, I would just be like, hey, what'd you, what'd you eat? The halibut? Okay, you're okay. Shrimp? Boom. So how many people are really living by the Bible? Because the only people that I've ever say, uh, that I ever ever heard say that they live by the Bible were people that hadn't read the Bible. Because let's be honest here, and I'm going by my experience, but I'm willing to extrapolate to society at large, right? I bought my first Bible when I was 23, and I didn't buy it because I believe what's in it. I bought it because I had been debating people about the Bible for a long time, but I realized that some of my debate was disingenuous because I had not read the Bible and I wasn't familiar with the text. The only thing I was familiar with was the same thing that most people are familiar with, which is what's what's taught in church. You know, priest gets up there and talks about passages in the Bible. Now, if you go to church regularly enough, 
And my mother used to bring me to church every Sunday because I was raised Catholic, you know, until I was seven and I was able to think for myself. But every year you would hear the same stories from the Bible. You know, I started referring to them as the Bible's greatest hits. That's what most people know. They just know what they've been told by the guy in the really beautiful dress uh, up in front of the room, right? So the Bible is a lot more than the greatest hits of the Bible. And even some of the greatest hits are pretty horrible. And and it's funny that sometimes people don't realize realize how horrible they are just because of the way they're delivered. You know, when you have a priest up there going, oh, and isn't God wonderful and isn't God amazing? Here's an example of God's love. The story of, you know, Noah's Ark. What a beautiful story. That family of eight at the end repopulated the earth. But let's skip the fact that God killed everybody else, just drowned everybody. And one day, just because I have a sometimes bizarre curiosity, I decided to uh, look up population statistics. Like in the year one, what was the population of the earth? And if I recall, it was something like between 200 million and 400 million. I haven't looked at it in a long time, so I might not be remembering that precisely, but that's my recollection. So let's be conservative. Let's say there were 100 million. You can even say a million if you want to. But 100 million people, and God killed everyone but eight. And it was eight people in one family. So in order for them to repopulate the earth, guess what they had to do? Bang their brothers and sisters. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. Story of Job. Oh. Possibly one of the most beautiful examples of God's love in the Bible. So apparently God was a betting man because the devil bet God. Hey man, I bet you I can turn your most devoted follower from you. And God said, well, that'd be Job. Job loves me. He's way into me. There's no way you can turn Job. He said, well, I bet if I do enough stuff to him, he can uh, he can be moved. And God said, all right, do whatever you want to him. Except kill him. Do whatever you want. So the devil hit him with, like, disease and pestilence and blindness, I think, and killed his family, killed his animals, killed his servants. Oof. I think he took away his land and took away all his money, all this stuff. The devil went to town on Job. Just messed him up completely. And at the end, Job still loved God. Oh, that's beautiful. But you got to keep reading. 
because of course that's not beautiful. That's freaking horrible, <laughs> right? But uh, God replaces almost everything that Job lost, brought back his family, because that's a trick that God seems to love, just bringing people back from the dead. By the way, if you read the Bible, that's not a special thing. It happened every year. People rose up out of their graves every single year. So, whatever. Jesus brought back a couple, whatever. So, uh, God replaced or or reanimated his, his livestock and his land and his house and his family, but there's no mention of his servants. They didn't get, they didn't come back. So in order to win a bet, God was like, eh, he killed the servants. I could bring them back. I'm God. I'm not gonna. Ah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> so, when I hear people talk like this small-minded idiot that I heard earlier saying that he wouldn't marry uh, same-sex couples, I just think, screw you, man. You're a piece of garbage in my eyes. And yeah, that's a harsh judgment. I don't care. What he said was disgusting. And just uh, for the record, I'm an ordained clergy. I have married three people. I'll marry anyone. I mean, there seems to be only three choices, right? Man, woman, man, man, girl, girl. <laughs> so, whatever permutation you want. I won't marry you to your goat, because the goat can't give consent. Okay? And usually it sounds like they're saying, nah. <laughs> Oh, I'm an idiot. But anyway, that's what's on my mind. Um, you know, I just thought, uh, I just hate stuff like that. I hate people that justify their hatred by some ancient fiction, which is just no more than a collection of adult fairy tales, you know? And look, I have nothing with, I have no problem with believers, right? If you want to believe in whatever thing you want to believe in because it comforts you, because you think it makes you a better person, uh, because it alleviates your fear of dying, no problem. I get that. I understand that. But the moment you start judging other people harshly, and excluding other people because of your goofy imagination, which is no different than my goofy imagination, that's what I have a problem with. So, that's it for now. Peace, love, and granola. Talk to you soon.